You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Well, I'm really excited to share what I'm going to share today. It's something I've been wanting to share for um, six months probably, and the Lord just just gave me the release to go ahead and, and talk about it. And it's something I've, I've really never taken a message and shared just on this, um, but I'm really excited to share it with you. I've mentioned it you know, a lot in ministry over the years, but what's going to happen is that you're going to get a good understanding from Scripture on this particular topic, and I'm going to talk about hell. And we talk a lot about heaven, but we talk very little about hell. And I have not counted, but I've been told that there's actually more in the scriptures concerning hell than there, than there is heaven. And I don't doubt that from just my readings that that probably is accurate. Either way, there is a lot in there about hell. And one of the, the challenges is that, you know, we're a grace people. Anybody that's been born again should consider themselves to be a trophy of God's grace because it's the only reason that you've been saved. And what happens is that when we don't talk about all of the things in the scriptures, in particular hell, um, we, we lack understanding on certain things. But in particular with hell, it cheapens the message of the gospel when we don't help people understand what they're being saved from. Because if they're not being saved from anything, then what was the point of Jesus coming to die and pay the price? He paid a high price so that we could be rescued. And it's not only from hell and the afterlife, but it's also from this present evil age, which is Galatians chapter one and verse six. Both are true. Is that we can, because of what Jesus did, the atoning work of the cross on the cross, that we can receive the benefits and blessing here on this earth, but also when we die, we get to go and be in the presence of the Lord. But make no mistake about it, hell is a very real place, and there are people that have died that have gone on to to dwell in that place eternally, and I'm going to cover these things from the scriptures. And my goal with this isn't to give you my opinion about hell, but it's to give you God's opinion about hell. Uh, I have in my notes, and a couple people call it wind, and they're like, we're going to be here till 1.30, um, but we will not. Uh, <laughs> I have about 30 passages of scripture that directly relate to hell, and I probably am only using half of them, and that doesn't count all the ones that might indirectly relate to the topic of hell or Hades. We'll hear both of those things interchange, but it's talking about the same place. Sheol, hell, Hades is all referring to the same place the same place. Uh, The lake of fire is different than hell. The Bible tells us in Revelation that hell itself will be thrown into the lake of fire. That's in a coming, coming time, coming dispensation. But hell is a very real place. And when people die, they do not cease to exist. They either go in and end up in the presence of God, or they end up in, in a place of torment, the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is a terrible place. And unfortunately, the church has become very nonchalant 
concerning the topic of hell. And I'll, I'll say that I've not done my due diligence to, to minister on it the way that I should have. And so I'm going to set the record straight and really help people understand things concerning hell. I don't think getting born again to escape hell, giving your life to Jesus to escape hell is the best way to get saved. But it's better than not getting saved at all. The ideal thing is, is that we preach the gospel, which is the good news, and people turn. But sometimes people need the heat turned up about the eternal possibility of them spending eternity in a place that God never designed for them or desired for them to live to live in. I was just having a conversation with Lee right before church, and I just had mentioned to him that I'm going to share on this today. And he said that was actually the thing that caused him to get saved. He heard a message on hell, and he could he started to feel the flames. And he said it caused me it caused me to turn. And so there is a place for this in evangelism. There's a place for this in Christendom. It's not right. There's a balance to this. It's not right, especially for pastors, to stand at the pulpit and beat their people over the head every week, threatening them with hell. That is un. That's unhealthy. That's not correct. It's also not correct to completely avoid something that is so pervasive in the scriptures. It's, it's all through the word of God, the subject of hell. And so again, we need to understand it. We need to know uh, the ramifications of hell. We need to know how long hell lasts. We're even going to go into talking about where hell is located. A lot of people don't even know where hell is located. And here's something that's interesting. Um, I can't, now maybe somebody that knows more than me, but from my knowledge of the word, I cannot tell you where heaven is located, but I can tell you exactly where hell is located. That goes to show you right there, and I'm going to show you from the scriptures, the importance of really understanding what, what hell is all about. Um, and here's something that's really, I want, to, I want to address a thought pattern that people have that is not, it's not correct. And you'll hear people say this, that how could a loving God ever send people to hell? First of all, God doesn't send people to hell. People reject the payment of Jesus and end up in hell. And when they end up in hell, there, first of all, there is no purgatory. This is Catholic territory. Let's just throw it out there straight. There is no purgatory. It's not accurate. There's nothing in the Bible about purgatory. You don't go to a middle ground. You either go to hell or you go to heaven when you die. You go, you go to be in the presence of a place of people of weeping and gnashing and teeth and torment and outer darkness, darkness and outer darkness and fire and all kinds of things, or you go and you go in the presence of God. These are not things that are my opinion. These are things that the Bible says. So then people say, well, how can a loving God is really loving. If God so loved the world that he sent Jesus, how in the world could he send people there? Again, he doesn't send people there. People choose to reject Jesus. That's what sends them to hell. You know, for those of you that don't know, I'm, uh, I'm a product of Andrew Womack. I'm a product of Jesus via Andrew Womack. And uh, not that he's anything but a man, but God's used him to minister to me a lot. I got a hold of the love of God, things concerning the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and healing and a whole list of things through his ministry. That's where um, we went to Bible college there, graduated in 2007. And so I really love that ministry. It's, it's, changed, it's changed my life. And Andrew's one of the strongest grace and faith preachers and the whole world. His ministry has actually become, and the Lord spoke this to me years ago, that his ministry would become the largest ministry. I heard in, in the United States 
Someone else told me, uh, my spiritual father told me at that time, he said, no, 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 the Lord told me it's going to be the entire world. Now it is the largest ministry in the United States, and it's, it's on its way. It might already be the largest ministry in the entire world, and I thank God for it. Not that that has anything to do with its credibility, because there's lots of large ministries that are not amazing. But anyways, um, I was at a minister's conference there uh, probably about six years ago, something like that, seven years ago. And what had happened was that there were some people in his ministry associated with him that when the Supreme Court passed the ruling uh, about homosexual marriage and, you know, they ruled at a, you know, federal level and basically told the states, you got to abide by this, um, you know, that if if two, you know, homosexuals want to get married, that the states have to, you know, they have to acknowledge that union and whatever. When that happened, there were people associated with his his ministry um, that came out and they put on Facebook and they're like, oh, we're so happy about this and we're so thankful that our, all of our gay friends are finally free and all this stuff. And Andrew was like, his eyes were like, oh my gosh. And he's never insinuated anything but love for homosexuals, but he's, he's, never, he's never condoned the lifestyle because the Bible certainly doesn't condone it. It actually condemns it. Not the people, but the lifestyle. In the process of the, that happening... Um, he also discovered that there was a bunch of people that said, you know, actually, as a matter of fact, Andrew, we don't believe in a lot of things that you believe. And we think that they're, that when people die, that they're not going to go to hell, that they're ultimately going to end up being reconciled. And this is known as what's called ultimate reconciliation or universalism. And these are doctrines that are heretical doctrines compared to the scriptures. Um, I don't think that everybody that would share them is a false prophet, but I think that people that are believing them have heard them down the chain from people that are false prophets, that they're saying things that are not accurate according to the scriptures. I can promise you, I believe in grace. I would like to believe more than anybody in this room and more than anybody watching online, but hell is a real place. It is a place for people to escape. And so when Andrew heard this, he took his entire sessions at that minister's conference and ministered strictly on hell. And it was interesting in the room because I watched, I thought, let's see how this goes over. And he had people, there were people there that were folding their arms in disgust. And then there were other people, including me, that were standing up and cheering and say, preach it, man of God. Tell us what the word of God says. We want to believe what that says. So when it comes down to these things, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. It doesn't matter what fads are running through the body of Christ. What matters is what does God's word say? Because when this life is over, you don't have to answer to a man. You have to answer to God. And he's given us his scriptures that we had better believe his word above any other thing, more than an emotion, more than some fleeting thought, more than whatever. And so we need to know what the word says. This is what I believe is going to happen is happening right now. There's a revival of the word of God happening in our country. In the American church, there's a revival of the word of God because people are not supposed to believe what their pastor tells them. They're supposed to believe what the word of God tells them. And if the pastor's saying things that don't line up with the word of God, then that person shouldn't be your pastor anymore. That doesn't mean that they can't say something, you know, wrong or, or misquote something. I certainly have misspoken plenty of times, but when, when main doctrine is coming from the pulpit that violates scripture, you should be knowledge enough in, in the word to either 
accept it or reject it, or if it's new to you, you go study it out on your, on your own. So I might share some things today that you think, man, I've never heard that before. I've never saw that. Then just take it from the word for yourself. Go and study it and let God reveal these things to you. Amen. I want to start off with a, um, a quote from Charles Spurgeon. He's been known as the preacher of preachers. And he said this, and this was really, uh, and I'm going to read several quotes about hell here in just a moment. This is a very striking quote, he said. He said, oh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay and not madly to destroy themselves. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our, uh, of our uh, exertions and let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. So this is not only a, a saying from a great, uh, I would say a theologian, a great preacher um, about our own look at this, but also how we're looking at other people. There's a, a man, uh, I just watched this video recently, and whenever you hear a testimony of somebody, you can only... You, you can believe him or not believe him. Um, but, and, I, and, I, and I believe what this guy was saying. But he was, he was a man that had a near-death experience. Um, his name was uh, William, William Pittman. Somebody correct me if, on that. I just told some people about this. His last name was Pittman. I think it's Bill Pittman. That makes sense. Bill short for William. Anyways, whatever. Mr. Pittman. And he had a near-death experience. And in this near-death experience... Um, he, he found himself sliding into, uh, into darkness. And there's been lots of people over the years that have testified about experiencing the afterlife, either because they died and came back or because they were, they were sliding away. And they, they saw things, they experienced it. There's many, many people over centuries that have experienced these things. And this guy had his experience back in, uh, I think it was 19, in the 1980s. And so then I just watched a revived video of him. Now, he's since gone on to be with the Lord, but back in 2015, which was the newest recording, he tells about his testimony of sliding into outer, outer darkness and the absence of the presence of God and all of these terrible things that he was hearing and seeing and, you know, all of those things involved with that. And, of course, he ended up coming back to life and testifying about what he saw. But here's the kicker. He was a pastor of a church. And when he was at that place, the Lord said, I, because he, then he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, what's going on? He said, I never knew you. And when I listened to this, I, I was like, Jesus, am I saved? You know, I'm like, you know, hell is a scary place, man. Because once you go there, you don't come out. And I think that there's something, and these would be lying voices, there's something that would say, oh, well, eventually, you know, if, if I miss it, then I'll have a chance to correct things and fix things. No, you will not. When we pass from this life, where we go is our eternal resting place. Other than if you go to hell, then eventually hell itself will be thrown into the lake of fire. So you'll change locations once to a worse place. And so when I, when I heard this, I was like, wow. And, you know, you could say, well, I don't, I don't really believe that testimony. I do because it lines up with Scripture because Jesus said, and we'll get to this, if not this week, we'll, 
probably have to continue next week. Jesus said that there will be many that say in, in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do miracles? Did we not heal people and cast out demons? And he'll turn to them and say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Our eternal security is based on knowing God, knowing him personally, not knowing about him. It's not even believing in what you know about him to be true. It's believing in him and believing on him. You say, well, I believe that Jesus heals. So does the devil. I believe that Jesus saves. So does the devil. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Trust me, so does the devil. Do you believe up on him do you believe in him is it a personal decision that you have made you can't get saved from your grandma's faith god doesn't have any grandchildren all he has are people that have made a personal decision to put their faith in him you say pastor this isn't very encouraging that's fine i'm not i'm not here this morning for your <laughs> encouragement i'm here to give you truth that's going to help you be able to see things straight because, and set things straight and see it right because we live in a time when truth is becoming something like we even, I even heard in a Christian song from a guy that I actually really like and he even used the word your, or he said my truth. You don't have your own personal truth. You can pretend to have a personal truth, and you're going to find out one day that the Bible's true, and it says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over heaven and over earth. The people that don't do that now are going to pay the price in the afterlife. If they don't receive the price that Jesus paid now, they're going to pay the price in the afterlife. You say, well, I just, you know, how, again, how could God send people? How could people even go to hell? Okay, I don't think that God sent them there. <laughs> yes, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Strong prophetic moment right now. One, 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 one on the clock. Just turn one, 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 two. <laughs> one, 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 one means a place of standing in supernatural faith. I don't have time to go into that. <laughs> go, go look up Troy Brewer, one, 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 one. He'll explain it to you biblically. I found this on my dashboard. I'll get back to my story in a second. I found this on my dashboard. I was driving down the road and I looked down and all, all my cars are getting a lot of miles on it and it was all ones. And I thought that feels significant. Come to find out, it was significant. And I realized that the Lord was calling me into a place to stand and trust him like I never had before. We're coming into a time where you're gonna know, you're gonna have to know how to trust God like you never have before. You, you can't, you're not gonna make it on my faith. You're not going to make it on your grandma's faith. You're not going to make it on your spouse's faith. You're not going to make it on whoever's. You are going to be the one that has to trust the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, where was I going before that prophetic divine interruption? Huh? Yeah, knowing him. We, huh? Yeah, believing upon him, knowing him. That's the difference for people that have an eternal resting place with the Lord. By the way, you're not just going to be resting. People are like, R.I.P. Whenever Prince, Prince died, and I had a family member that put R.I.P., and I said, really? 
Really? You sure about that? I mean, I don't know where he is. Maybe something happened, but everything about his music and his lifestyle told me that he didn't believe in Jesus. He didn't believe upon Jesus. He didn't put his faith in Jesus. And I said, he's probably not resting in peace would be my guess. When people, when people die, they don't just go to a place of butterflies and warm fuzzies and gumdrops and rainbows. They, they either go into the abyss darkness, lack of presence of God, or they go into the presence of God. I mean, this is like incredibly important. And I'm sorry, as your pastor, I probably haven't put more importance on this. But you just, you just need to know. You need to know these things, and so you'll be able to stand and know the truth. I still didn't get back to where I was trying to go, but it's going to come back to... I'll interrupt myself later in just a moment for... <laughs> Special interruption. Here's what needs to happen. We should be afraid of hell. We should fear God, but also have confidence in his salvation. We should be afraid of hell. You should, we should fear God, and we should have, but we should have confidence in our salvation. If you're a believer... And not just the believer, like, oh, yeah, I know that he did that, but it's a personal decision, a thing that you've made. If that's you, you should have confidence in your salvation. Because, man, once you get born again, it's a sealed deal. The Holy Ghost set things straight. He sets it right. You're right with God. You're a child of God. But there should be something in us that, that we want to avoid anything to do with any of hell's trappings whatsoever. There's great debate among great Bible scholars and spiritual leaders as to whether you can, whether your um, salvation to where it's once saved, always saved, or you can lose your salvation. My thing that I always say is that if that question is so huge, you know, it could just be that you want to know, or it could be that you're doing something that you're afraid of going into hell. Stop doing the stupid stuff and you won't have to fear it anymore. I don't believe that our actions send us to hell. Because if they did, we'd all go to hell. Every one of us have done stupid stuff before Christ and our relationship with Christ after we received Christ. We've all done bad stuff. Every one of us have. And if our salvation was dependent on living perfectly, we are in trouble. So I have great confidence in eternal security. But I can tell you now, it is not because of all of the works that I have done. Paul said that he counts everything that it says that he was of um, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was of the, um, the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin. Uh, he had all these things going, going for him. And then he said, but I count all of that as dung, as poop, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. And see, we have to know that Jesus is the one that saves us. And once we're saved, we should have confidence in that. But there should be something in us that says, what would happen if I'm, if I'm wrong? In this William Pittman or Bill Pittman, whatever. Somebody look up that guy's name. I got his name wrong. Huh? Howard. Howard. I knew it wasn't Bill. Howard Pittman. There you go. Uh, he had the Lord allowed him. And again, you could say, well, I don't believe that. That's fine. You can believe his testimony or not. But he had the Lord... Um, allowed him to see 1,000 people that died. I don't know if it was that day or during a certain time period. And out of the 1,000 people that died, 
only 50 of them went to heaven and 950 of them descended into hell. And that lines up with scripture because it says, broad is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life. There should be no guesswork in our eternal, what we know about when we get saved and having eternal security, but also about what happens to people who don't put their trust in Jesus. We shouldn't be wondering about this. I wonder what's going to happen. One of the things that's amazing to me, it's astounding to me, is that when people get like on their deathbed, they're the, they're the point of dying or whatever, and they'll sit around and talk about everything else in the world except for what's getting ready to happen in the next moments or the next week or something. I was with an uncle of mine not long ago, right before, just about a month before he died. <laughs> and he walked out of the room for a moment, and then my, my aunt said, because we were talking about, I didn't want to, but it's whatever. We were talking about Tiger Woods and golf and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, whatever. Where are you going? Um, and anyways, and so he walks out of the room and she says, you know, he acts like there's not a darn thing wrong. She didn't say darn, but I said darn. She said there's, he doesn't act like there's anything going on at all. And what she was talking about was the fact that he was getting ready to die. And I was thinking, what about eternity when you step over onto the other side? Because, see, there's, a, there's an internal homing device inside of every single person that they know that one day that they're going to have to meet their maker. There are no atheists. There's only God deniers. There is no such thing as an atheist. People that say, I don't, I don't believe in God, what they're saying is I'm choosing to ignore what's on the inside of me because Romans chapter 1 says that God has been manifest to them, being made known in them by creation, by just the spirit of God. Everybody knows that there is a God, but yet people will still pretend like their decision in this life doesn't mean anything. It means everything. It means everything. Somebody just say amen. Let me read the verse I just quoted to you. And this is in Matthew chapter 7. And in verse 13, oh, I remembered where I was going. Now I can move forward. Man, it was like, Kingston and I were talking about this. And people that, that will just say, like, I can't believe that people would just, you know, that God would just allow them to go to hell. And if you think about it, if, if it's as simple as somebody dying and people grieve them and all this and that, and then they pass over and they go to hell. You would think that if you were God, you would think that you would send an angel. You would open up the heavens and make yourself known. You would put writing on the wall. You would do something like that. Like if I were God and thank God I'm not God. <laughs> thank God you're not God. We would probably do something like that. But he is willing to let people pass into eternal damnation just because they didn't believe his word. God thinks different than we do, and it tells you what he values more than anything else. He just wants to be believed. He just wants to be believed. You can find stories in the Old Testament to where, I mean, he'd swallow up the earth, you know, open up the earth and swallowed up, I think, 1.100,000 of his, of his people, his chosen people. The first guy to break the law, <laughs> he picked up sticks on the Sabbath. 
And God said, Moses, make an example of this guy. And they stoned him to death. Why? Because the guy didn't believe God's word. Now, I think, I think God on this, this side of the cross, we're not bound to the, to the law like that. Man, we've got grace and mercy every day. It's, it's phenomenal, the covenant and the time, the dispensation that we live in. But it still shows that when God says something, he doesn't change his mind. He doesn't go, oh, I'm, I'm sorry that you, know, that you were struggling with the idea that you have to give your heart to me after you die. I'm sorry you struggled with that. Let me tell it to you all over again. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. He, he is a very black and white God. And you can take my word for it because I know him very well. I've been talking to him for a lot of years. <laughs> I'm older spiritually than I am naturally. 20 years old naturally, 120 spiritually. <laughs> but he's very black and white. And when he says something, he just means what he says. He means what he says, and he says what he means. Matthew seven thirteen, It says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. It says, there are many who go in by it. Many, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, when it says that it's, it's difficult, it, Jesus, God made it easy through Jesus. It's, it's this, Jesus, I can't save myself. I need you to save me. Now I'm placing my trust in you. But yet it seems that so many people struggle with that message. Why? Because the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving from the light of the glorious gospel. Most people, what I just told you right there, most people in this world do not know that because the enemy has blinded them. The culture they, they live in. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about, you know, where the witch doctors are in Africa. I'm talking about in churches in America right now, there are people that do not know the gospel. And they don't know the gospel because their pastors don't preach it. They don't tell them what's required to actually receive salvation. And now we live in a time where, where God has brought a tremendous revelation about the grace of God. And then always what happens, happens is when the pendulum swings, it all, people always take it and they make it swing too far. And then you have people saying things that are like universalism, ultimate reconciliation. Well, ultimately, everyone's going to end up being reconciled. Not true. I haven't even gotten to the Bible verses that tell you what I'm telling you. But I'm getting ready to tell you from them what I just told you. And you're going to be told like four times over. <laughs> Amen. Listen, this is, I, I don't believe in hellfire damnation preachers because Jesus said to go and to preach the gospel. He said, teach all nations, right? That's the great, that's the great commission. You're not supposed to go around beating everybody else. It's supposed to be the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. But he never said to leave out the truth. See, you can give truth about something and it not be the gospel. And so what's happened is the pendulum has swung so far that people have gotten a great revelation about the grace of God. I'm one of those people. Man, I understand the grace and the love of God now better than I ever have. But I still believe, even though I believe in the goodness of God better than I ever have, I still believe in the severity of God. Sin must be judged. And the truth is, is that the sin of the entire world has already been judged. Jesus has already placed the judgment for your sin. God has already placed the judgment for your sin upon Jesus. But if people don't receive 
that payment by faith, then they have to pay for it themselves. Your sin is to your account. And if Jesus doesn't pay for it, then in the afterlife, you're going to have to pay for it. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. There is none righteous, no, not one. Nobody can become righteous in and of themselves. Nobody can. Remember the, the story about Jesus told, um, I don't know if it was true or if it was a parable, but he talked about the two different kinds of, of, of people that were praying. But one was, was the hypocrite, it was the Pharisee, and the other one was the tax collector. The tax collectors were um, the IRS of back then. <laughs> they weren't too, too well liked. Um, and so, you know, the, the Pharisee, was the one that would, would pray out, and he would say, and Jesus said that they would pray like this, thank you, God, that I'm not like this tax collector. And then the tax collector would pray and say, I can't save myself, you have to save me. One of them bared well in the afterlife, the other one did not. Anybody, anybody, anybody that thinks that any of their right stuff equals salvation. And mo I'm preaching to the choir in here. Most of you already know this, but still yet a lot of people don't know this. Anybody who thinks that their right works, their good deeds have anything to do with their salvation have been hoodwinked by the devil through religion. <laughs> Satan tries to stop the true church. And if he can't stop the true church, he'll try to pervert the true church. And what he's done is he's brought people back under works legalism, leaving people thinking that they're right with God because they do good things, when indeed many of the people that are sitting in pulpits, pul uh, not sitting in pulpits, well, yes, some that are in the pulpit, that are sitting in pews and chairs all over the world are on their way to hell because they think that their good works have saved them, when indeed they haven't, they can't, they never will, but they've never put their trust in Jesus. They never made it a personal decision. They believe in all of the stuff that the preacher guy says up there, but they don't really believe it on a personal level. Hallelujah. We should be afraid of hell. We should fear. We should reverence God and his word. We shouldn't be. You should never be afraid of God. I am not afraid. Anybody that's afraid of God, they, they miss the point of it. He's so loving and kind, but we should reverence what his word says. Thank you, Jesus. Let me read you some quotes. Let me lighten it up here just a little bit for a moment. And we're going to, I'm going to end with some quotes. I really haven't even gotten into scriptures. Next week, I'm going to hit this thing and just blow the roof off, the, off this thing. Here are some sarcastic quotes about hell. Now, it's interesting. If you go and you go and you just Google quotes about hell, quotes on hell, you'll find as many quotes about hell from unbelievers as you do believers. And most of the quotes you find about hell are people dumbing down the reality of it. And, and I was thinking, isn't this just like the enemy to, to make people believe that it's different than what God says that it really is and what the Bible says that it really is? Listen to these. Hell is empty and all the devils are here. That was William Shakespeare. See, this has been going on a long, long time that people have been wanting to deny the existence of things in the afterlife according to what the word of God says. And actually, in part, I believe that he's right. I think for the most part, at least, the devils are here because we, we've encountered some devils, haven't we? <laughs> but hell is absolutely not empty. There are people there. There's so many scripture verses I want to go to, and I won't for now. 
but hell's definitely not empty. Listen to this. Hell is the absence of the people you long for. Emily St. John Mandel. Well, doesn't that sound sweet? Jesus, Jesus did not die for you to see your mother or grandmother when you go to heaven. He dies so that you could be with him throughout all eternity. And it's not, because if you take a quote like that, that hell is the absence of the people you long for, then it's like, it's like, oh, in the afterlife, somewhere in the sweet by and by, we're going to get to see them and we're going to be in heaven because now we're in hell because they're not with us. The Lord corrected me with something just, just the other day. And I was studying this, you know, when I study things to minister and just to refresh and whatever, I learned some stuff. And the Lord said, stop using uh, the idea of calling something hellacious or, you know, it was because we have this term we use for a house that nearly bankrupted us. We call it the hell house. I could tell you now, as bad as that thing put a hit on our finances, it is not even close to what hell is really like. And the Lord said, stop cheapening what my word says about hell by using it in, in different scenarios that it doesn't belong in. Whatever you think bad he is here on this earth does not, does not even come close to what hell is really like. Listen to this. Hell doesn't exist. It's a creation by traditions of men and misunderstandings of scripture. And that was by um, a very deceived person called Leif Werner. I'm just taking these from right off the internet. It's fine. Listen to this. It says, go to heaven for the climate, hell for the company. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't care about being hot or cold. I just want to have my friends with me. <laughs> that was Mark Twain that said that. Listen to this next one, also by Mark Twain. I don't like to commit myself about heaven and hell. You see, I have friends in both places. I mean, it's a little bit like, <laughs> but how nonchalant. How could anyone be so cavalier about people that are spending all eternity? I like what Charles Spurgeon said that we read earlier. We should be grabbing them. They should be tripping over us on their way to hell, and we should be praying for all the people in our life that potentially might be on their way there. Okay, here's some quotes about hell from some people that actually know some things. Hell is the highest reward that the devil can offer you for being a servant of his. Billy Sunday. Not believing in hell doesn't lower the temperature down there one degree. <laughs> It's Neil T. Anderson. I don't know who that is, but uh, no matter what you believe about hell, doesn't change what's true about hell. When I pastored a church, this is by a guy named Vance uh, Havner. I, by the way, I'm not advocating his ministry or anything. This is just something he said. I don't know anything about him. When I pastored a, a country church, a farmer didn't like the sermons I preached on hell. He said, Preach about the meek and lowly Jesus. I said, that's where I got my information about hell. <laughs> Andrew Walmack said this, 17 biblical writers speak of hell. The one who spoke of hell the most is Jesus. And I can tell you that that is true. Jesus spoke about hell more than anybody else. Andrew also said this. He said, few people today, everybody buckle their seatbelts in right now. Few people today believe in hell believe hell is a real place. Even fewer believe anyone but the worst of all sinners are going there. There is a reason people don't believe in hell. It would affect their ability to live in sin. 
They won't, don't want to be accountable for their actions. And then the last one here by one of our most loving spiritual fathers, Billy Graham. He said, I think that hell essentially is separation from God forever. And, that, and he wasn't saying that it wasn't a real place. He was just saying that that's the ramifications. And that, that is the worst hell that I can think of. But I think people have a hard time believing God is going to allow people to burn in literal fire forever. I think the fire that is mentioned in the Bible is a burning thirst for God that can never be quenched. It's like, you know, you can deny Jesus in this life and go to hell or not receive him or try to get to heaven on your own merit. And you could be in hell for a year and deny God, two years, deny God, a million years and deny God. But at some point in eternity, every person that goes there will end up acknowledging, God, you do exist. But it's at that point that they no longer have the opportunity to change their stance and their faith to make a difference for their eternity. Not saying these things to scare anybody. I'm saying these things just to tell you the truth. I don't believe in hellfire damnation preaching. I've I literally, I've stayed away from the subject of hell because I don't want people to come in and feel condemned. This isn't meant to condemn, but it is man, meant to open up our eyes and help us be able to see that there is a real hell to lose and a real heaven to gain. Let me finish with this one. I'm going to hit this one section and then I'm going to quit. Where is hell? I'm going to answer this question right from the word. This is not only going to show... Um, just some proof of hell's existence, but also its location. Second Peter 2, 4 says, For if God did not spare the angels who sin, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Hell's down. Now, whether you're a round earther or a flat earther or a triangular earther or whatever kind of earther you are, it's down. Ezekiel, now this is a longer section, but listen to this. Ezekiel 31, I'm going to read four verses here. So starting in 14b, the second half of the verse, it says, For they have all been delivered to death to the depths of the earth among the children of men who go down to the pit. Verse 15, thus says the Lord God, in the day when it went down to hell, I caused mourning. I covered the deep because of it. I restrained its rivers and the great waters were held back. I caused Lebanon to mourn for it and all the trees of the field wilted because of it. I made the nation shake at the sound of its fall when I cast it down to hell together with those who descended into the pit and all and all the trees of Eden, the choice and best of Lebanon, all the drink water all that drink water were comforted in the depths of hell. They also went down to hell with it, with those slain by the sword and those who were strong, who were its strong arm dwelt in its shadows among the nations to which of the trees in Eden will you then be likened in glory and greatness. Don't try to catch all of what this verse is saying. There's too much here. I just want you to see where hell is. Yet you shall be brought down with the trees of Eden to the depths of the earth. You shall lie in the midst of the uncircumcised with those who, uh, who slain by the sword. This is Pharaoh and his multitude, says the Lord God. Earth appears to be down. 
Psalm 63 and verse 9, it says, But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go down, excuse me, shall go into the lower parts of the earth. So it's not just down, it's to the lower parts of the earth. So <laughs> there's more and more flat earth people all the time, and I don't want to get off into that debate because I literally don't care what the shape of the earth is. I've never been to space. I can't tell you. Is NASA lying? I don't know. They're part of the government, so maybe they are. I don't know. <laughs> but either way, it's down in the heart of the earth. Psalm fifty-five, fifteen. it says, let Death sees them, let them go down alive into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Matthew twelve forty, It says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, here's to me one of the most, uh, the verses that say the most about it. So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. It tells us where hell is located. Not only is it real, it tells us where it's located. And even demonic people know this because right now there's people trying to, uh, trying to dig down into the earth to open up portals to get to hell. <laughs> it's, it's, Jesus is going to come soon, I can tell you. There's some weird stuff going on. I just learned, I didn't know this long ago, but there are, I don't want to, yeah, there's tunnels underneath of us. Like hundreds and thousands of miles down, not to the core. Well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's where some of the weird stuff comes from. But there's tunnels all underneath of the earth. Underneath the surface of the earth. People doing weird stuff. Makes you wonder maybe that's how people are getting away with all the sex trafficking. All right, speculation there. I don't, I don't know. I do know that there's tunnels. I haven't been there, so I don't really know. But people I trust tell me. Do whatever you want to with that. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 9 through 10. It says, now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended, speaking of Jesus, into the lower parts of the earth. Hell is at the center of the earth. And I want to say something that I, that I kind of said earlier, but I think it's astounding. And we should put a lot of focus on heaven. I mean, man, if you sit and put a lot of focus on hell, you'll get discouraged. This is one message, okay? Anybody that hasn't heard me preach before, this is not what I talk about every week. Because <laughs> I think it's my job to keep people encouraged and equipped, but also to tell people the truth. And it's interesting to me that we know, and I know I kind of said this earlier, but we know the location of, of hell, but we don't actually know the location of heaven. I don't. Maybe somebody smarter than me knows where it's at. I don't know where heaven is. Maybe it's beyond all of where our telescopes can see. Maybe because it's in, a, it's in the spiritual realm and can't be detected with any kind of natural light. I really don't know. But I do know where hell is. And the Bible went out of the way. And by the way, there's many more, many more verses that depict the hell as in the center of the earth or under the earth's surface. It's down. Many verses tell us that. Why? Because it feels real to us. The Lord wants us with words to, because, and I'm going to get into this next week. I'm out of time. But hell was never created for people. It's created for Satan. In, in the fallen angels. That's what hell was created for. But the Lord, because sin has to be judged, if people won't receive the, the, really the unjust thing that was done to Jesus, it was unjust what was done to Jesus. He paid for what we owed. If people won't receive that, they're going to have to pay when they get in the afterlife. I just want to receive Jesus now. Thank you, Lord. 
If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit Overcomers Church International dot com.